Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Dear saints, back in Advent, we had this Sunday, Gaudete, the third Sunday of Advent. And then in Lent, we had Letere, which is the fourth Sunday in Lent. And then we had Jubilate today, this week. It's helpful to consider, when we consider the things that are set before us in the life of the church, what we call the weeks of the church year, what we call the days. So this week, for example, we have Jubilate, which is the week of the Christian's joy in Easter. But it's not the only week that is named that way. We had in Advent, Gaudete, which is the Christian's joy in in Advent, and we had Letere, which is the Christian's joy in Lent. And so we can see that we have this set before us simply by the naming of the weeks, that one of the most valuable things which the Lord gives to us that can be set in front of us is joy, and particularly Christian joy. Joy is vital for us as Christians because it undergirds everything within our homes, in our lives and society, and within the church. If we lose Christian joy, then we lose the foundation upon which all other joy springs from, because Christian joy is, in fact, the source, the font, from which all of our rejoicing springs from, because it is a joy that is centered on Jesus and what he has done for and to us. And this, it seems, at least to me, one of the biggest issues facing the church, our lack of joy. Because we have all sorts of issues in our lives. We have issues in being faithful to what the Lord says in his word. We have issues in being faithful and coming to be fed and nourished by our Lord and his church. We have issues in raising our families. We have issues in being good citizens. We have issues in all sorts of places and all the areas of our lives. And this is all of us. All of us struggle with all of these things. But at its core, we struggle with the joy of these things. If we're not joyful about hearing the Lord's word and receiving his gifts and praying and singing with the saints, then we will struggle to have joy in going to the Lord's church and it will instead be a chore for us. If we're not joyful about what God's told us in every part of his word, then we will struggle in being faithful to those words in our own speaking living. If we're not joyful about our family, then we will struggle in serving them and being with them. If we're not joyful about any of the things that the Lord has given to us in our lives, then those things simply become burdens to us. 
And so, in this life, as we await the blessed resurrection, there is always the temptation to lose our Christian joy. Now, there are a whole slew of things that threaten to rob our joy from us. We could spend quite a long time, in fact, listing all those out on how the devil and the world seeks to strip this away from us, but it seems that maybe it would be a bit more profitable to do a couple of things instead. And first, that is to point out that Christian joy and worldly joy are not the same thing. Jesus hits on this in the gospel where he says that, the, that you will have sorrow, but the world will rejoice. That the things that the church rejoices about and the things that the world rejoices about do not always overlap with each other. There are times that they do, but there are many times that they don't. And so we should be cautioned not to confuse Christian and worldly joys with one another. And second, there is a temptation going along with that to either place our joys in the wrong things or, conversely, to not place our joy in the things that God has given us to be joyful about. And so a big part of recognizing where it is that the devil is attacking our joy is to see where our joy ought to be in the first place. And then lastly, and this, this is a rather important note on joy, it's very difficult to define joy. It, it's not happiness, because we can be joyful and sorrowful at the same time. We can be joyful and angry at the same time. Joy can run parallel to all sorts of other things. And so it's kind of hard to nail down. But the thing that is nice about joy is that you can sense it. You can feel it when you have it. You know it when you have it. And you know it when you don't. And you can sense it amongst those around you as well. You can feel in the room when there is a lack of joy, and you can feel in the room when there is great joy. This is why Jesus reminds us about our joy, and that our joy is connected with the gifts that he gives to us. He says, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And so you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And we have to understand here that Jesus is not simply speaking about his return on the last day. He is speaking about that, but he's speaking more broadly about all the different ways in which he continues to come to us, all the different ways in which he gives us to see him by faith in all of his gifts to us. It's rather similar to what we talk about in Advent, how there are the three Advents, the three comings of Christ, that he comes in our flesh at his birth, that he comes to us still in his word and sacraments, and that he will come again on the last day to raise us from the dead. In the same way, we continue to see Jesus even now by faith until we await that great and blessed day when we'll see him with our own eyes, as Job exclaims, and we will see him face to face. And so what we're going to do the rest of the time is just meditate a little bit on all the places in which the Lord gives us to have joy. And a note on this then is that 
this is not a complete list. In fact, if we were to sit down and just read all the passages in the scriptures that mention joy, we would be here for a few hours. We're not going to do that, I promise. It's a partial list, but I think it will serve the purpose. The Lord gives us joy in his gifts, in the gifts of God, as outlined in the creed. This is maybe the first thing to say. We have the first article gifts that God has created us, that he's created me and all creatures, he's given me my body and soul, my eyes, ears, all my members, my reason and all my senses and still takes care of them, that God has not only given us the things of creation, that he's given us, for example, grass to be our joy, but he's also given us the ability to know about the grass, what it does and how it grows and all these things, so that both the things that he gives us and our ability to know about those things are both gifts for us to be joyful in. That's not the only gifts in the creed. We also have the second article gifts, the gifts of God himself, that Jesus has ransomed us, not with perishable things such as gold and silver, but with his holy and precious blood and his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness and innocence and blessedness. That he gives us himself and our forgiveness. And that he also gives us the faith. That the Holy Spirit, third article, has called me by the gospel and sanctified me with his gifts and kept me in the one true faith in the same way that he also calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth that he daily and richly in this church forgives my sins and the sins of all believers, and that he will on the last day raise me and all believers to everlasting righteousness. And then we have also the joy of prayer, that we are privileged to speak to God as his own beloved children, that we can call upon him in every trouble, It doesn't matter how menial we think the thing is, that we can call upon God with every single trouble that we have, and he always delights to hear those prayers. He has joy in our prayers. And that he not only hears them, but he answers them. Now, he answers them in his way and in his time and according to his will, but he always promises not only to hear, but to answer. And so it is our joy to pray. And we have the joy of the Holy Scriptures. So we have the joy of the Bible that through these words, God forgives us. And that here, God, the one who has created all things by his word and upholds and sustains all things by his word, and God who has come into our flesh and died for us and been raised for us and ascends for us, and God who has made his dwelling among us in the Holy Spirit, including our own bodies to be his temple, that that God speaks to us in the Holy Scriptures. He's not a mute and silent God. He speaks so that when we hear God's word read, we are actually hearing the very voice of the God who has created, redeemed, and sanctified us. And we have the joy of our baptism where God has forgiven us again, that we are in this clothed with Christ, that we are in the waters of baptism saved, 
that we are buried with Christ and raised with him, that we are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and connected to Christ's death for our sake, that we are granted the Holy Spirit, that we are given in these waters victory over sin and over death and over the devil. And we have the joy of absolution, that we are forgiven again, again, that we hear the voice of our good shepherd speaking to us these words of comfort, that we are given in these words the assurance that every one of our sins has in fact been died for by Jesus and is in fact covered with his blood. And this is especially true when our conscience plagues us and we come in for individual confession and we say these things that are burdening us and hear only this word, your sins are forgiven. That even the things that we think are unforgivable are covered with the mercy of Christ. And we have the Lord's Supper and our joy there where our sins are forgiven again, again, again. And this, by the way, if you haven't caught this, is the chief source of our joy, is that we are forgiven. And that here at the altar, we are fed with that forgiveness, as well as the very bread which has come down from heaven, that we are given here the medicine of immortality that our Lord Jesus gives to us himself, not in wrath and anger, but in mercy and kindness and, again, forgiveness, that we are served by our Lord at his table by the one who is himself both host and guest. And we have then, going out, the joy of serving our neighbor, where we are privileged to put on the masks of God, that God works in his creation, but he uses us to do that, that we are his hands and his feet and his eyes and his ears and his mouth. That we are given the privilege to serve our neighbor and to provide them with what they need. And we have the joy of living good and faithful and God-pleasing lives according to his commandments in our home and in society. Now, we have the commandments always set before us, and we, we have this temptation to think that they are a burden instead of a joy. But these are, in fact, a gift that the Lord gives to us in love to instruct us in not only what is pleasing to him, but also what is good for us and what is beneficial for our neighbor. And he promises, and this is part of the joy in them, Jesus promises that in himself he fills up what is lacking in our works according to these commandments, and that he forgives our sins where we fail them. And we have the joy of our families, the place that the Lord has put us with other people in this life, the joy and blessing of children, the joy and blessing of husbands and wives and mothers and fathers, and especially this week as we have celebrated Mother's Day and the blessedness of mothers and the fact that we have two we have our earthly mothers, and we have the motherhood of the church. We have the joy, then, of the Lord's house, his church, his congregation, where we are granted to come into his house, that we are here served by God, that we are gathered with one another in this reality that 
We are here not just with each other, but with angels and archangels and with the whole company of heaven, all the saints who have come before us in the faith gathered in innumerable festal gathering. Thus we say with the psalmist, I was glad, I was joyful when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We have the joy of creation, as we mentioned, that God has created the heavens and the earth, but he's done it for us. That he's given us then also dominion over creation, that we would take care of it as his hands, as his representatives here on earth. That today is indeed the day that the Lord has made, every single day is, and so we can rejoice and be glad in that. We have the joy of Jesus' death for our sake. You remember the Saint Paul says that Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising his shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the beautiful picture that Jesus is sitting at table with us, and he looks at us, and he takes great joy in us, and he gets up, and he takes up the cross, and he lays down his life for us. And that then conversely, we sitting on the other side see Jesus do this in great joy, and it becomes our joy as well. Because in this action of Jesus, we have the forgiveness of our sins, and we have new life, and we have eternal salvation. And we have then also the joy of Jesus' resurrection, that Jesus not only died for us, but that he doesn't stay dead, that he comes back out of the tomb, that he rises triumphantly from the grave, and he promises to give to us that same blessed reality, that the graves will not hold us in either. And we have the joy of Jesus' ascension, where he has gone before, he's gone up to be before the throne of God, and to sit on his throne, and to be before our Father in heaven, and to intercede for us with his own prayers for us. And that when he does so, as we'll hear uh, in a couple weeks here, uh, that he goes to send the Holy Spirit to us when he does this, and that he promises in his ascending to fill all things with himself, which is why we can celebrate the Lord's Supper and know that it is truly his body and blood. And we have the joy of Jesus' return and of our own resurrection. That Jesus has not abandoned us to this life, this world, that he's coming back for us, that he's bringing us with him into the new heavens and the new earth, that he's giving us a glorified body like his, that he's raising us and all the saints out of our graves, and that he's blessing us in that with immortality and incorruptibility and imperishability and perfect knowledge and perfect understanding and eternal life and eternal righteousness and the eternal joy of dwelling with him, with all Christians of all time in that reality as Jesus has promised us. You will have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.
Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.